Welcome to the Money Maven Project Podcast. If you're here to learn how to obtain freedom over your time and money through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Create the life you want by living with intention and becoming a maven in mindset, money, and real estate. Now, here's your host, Justin Monk. Hey, this is Justin with the Money Maven Project. Welcome to the Money Maven Project podcast. Tonight, we have an awesome guest, Larry Fierro. I'm super excited to learn more about his expertise in owner financing. Larry uh, went from being debt from in debt from being in debt to owning ten properties that provide him financial independence now with just those ten. His success is one of the is one of small steps in everyday prop, uh, properties, which has become a recession proof vault of financial security. His path has also is also one that anyone, regardless of current finances, can realistically follow and is something he loves talking about, which will work out perfect for tonight. Larry's investing career began when he purchased his first property right out of high school, and he has recently retired from his full-time job and works as a full-time real estate investor and podcaster. Larry also offers seller financing courses, which we may talk a little bit about or mention tonight. Uh, coaching to help investors implement this powerful tool. So, Larry, welcome. Welcome. Justin, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. You bet. So, start us off, man. Let's, let's go back in time here. Tell us where you started. Obviously, the first property right out of high school. What got you into that? And then, what's the journey been like so far? Sure, sure. Now, that might not sound as impressive as. Uh, as some people, because uh, they may not be that far out of high school, but uh, I actually graduated high school in 1990. So um, I'm about 50 years old. So, you, you know, I've got a lot of experience in, in this area. So, yeah. Um, yep. I got kind of lucky because my best friend in high school, his mom was a real estate agent. And, um, you know, I basically grew up at his house and she had a, a duplex that came available. And I'm not sure if it, it may have been self-serving. She she couldn't sell it uh, through regular means and and uh, approach her son and I to go and as partners on it and broach the subject of owner financing. Had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, she basically took us out to the property. We walked through the property. She wrote down exactly what the comps were in the area. So we kind of had an idea. Uh, the downstairs apartment actually needed to be completely remodeled. So it was a value add. Uh, at that time, I didn't realize that's what it was called. So she said that we needed to remodel it and we had to take that into account. We actually picked it up for a great price. The gentleman who was selling it gave it to us with no money down, didn't charge us any interest on the loan, which was something that I had never heard of. You know, I'm coming fresh out of high school and you have to pay interest for everything, right? Right. And that's what, right. That's what we're taught. And so we actually took possession of the property 30 days after we went and looked at it, started doing the remodel. And, you know, we walked through that first, that first uh, deal and I was hooked at that point. You know, um, we, I met my wife, we actually uh, decided to have, have our family. And at this point is where I made a critical error <laughs> in judgment. Um, I sold that property and stopped buying real estate. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that was on me. If I kept doing the same route, I can't even imagine where my portfolio would be today. But, 
you know, instead of doubling down like I should have, I, I sold that. Got my full-time job like they say, say you're supposed to. We, got, mm-hmm. I, we had two kids, one right after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. They didn't teach us how to do financing. They didn't teach us about credit scores. They didn't teach us any of the pertinent stuff in high school that you need in life. Yeah. And about 15 years ago, I realized my credit score was in the, in the tank. Um, I had debt like you wouldn't believe. Um, and it was just, it was spiraling out of control. So I thought to myself, I need, I need to figure this out. The last time I had real money <laughs> was when I had that rental property. Mm-hmm. So I went back and started reevaluating the situation, dove headfirst into getting my financial house in order, which I would recommend for anyone seeking to invest in real estate. The financial house has to be in order in order to get the deals, the best, the best credit, the best uh, interest rates, that sort of thing. If you, if you choose to pay interest, I try not to as little as possible at least. So started consuming all the, uh, everything I could about credit scores and, and that sort of thing. Got my credit fixed, got my debt paid off, started looking into buying real estate. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, about seven, maybe eight years ago, because it takes a while. You can, it, it takes a while to dig yourself into the hole and it takes a while to fill it back in. So mm-hmm. um, seven years ago, I found a couple of properties and I, the first property I bought was, I'll dive into later on in a case study, but it was, it was a home run. And from that point on, it was a duplex. And from that point on, I basically just bought as many properties as I could find that, that would meet that criteria. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, and like you, like we had said in the bio two and a half months ago, um, I had had a, uh, let's just say a differences of opinion with the owner of the company that I work for. And I was in charge of the company and, um, you know, she won the differences of opinion and, and, uh, I decided that I had had enough of working for somebody else when, when, uh, you know, I had all this real estate that could support me. So I put myself through that stress Monday through Friday, making somebody else rich. So I decided to pull the trigger and here I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and real estate's provided the freedom to be able to make that decision. I mean, you didn't, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I mean, if that's not your thing, but it does provide the opportunity to make that decision if you want to, which is so powerful. And so all these properties, I don't know if you mentioned or not, but all these properties were done via owner financing, correct? They were. Yep. My entire portfolio was purchased owner financing. And you know, there's, there's a lot of nuances with owner financing. And I think the big takeaway and one of the things that the, the folks listening are going to run into when they first start doing owner finance, there's a myth out there that owner financing is only for people who can't afford it, the property. It's only for people who have terrible credit. So you can't, you can't qualify for a conventional mortgage. And, you know, it's just, it's got a bad connotation. And I'm trying to end that because it's not the case. Uh, for me, what started me on the owner finance path was, you know, my my best friend's mother. Um, but what continued me on that path was the fact that with duplexes and triplexes and residential, the most banks will limit you to 10 mortgages. So once you achieve that, that 10 mortgage limit, you can't get any more. You can't, you just can't get any more. They right. look at you like you're a higher risk. So 
I've got my 10 properties right now that are owner financed. I've got zero mortgages. I've still got 10 mortgages available. So if I find a property that I, that cash flows like a champ, then I can actually turn around and go to a bank and I've still got 10 mortgages available. So mm -hmm. theoretically I could double the size of my portfolio and before the bank cuts me off. Yeah. And then, you know, I have to go with owner finance at that point. That's a really good point, right? If you're, if you're tying them all up with personal mortgages, then you're going to run out of, you're going to run out of room eventually just with how the banks are. And, and that's a, that's interesting that you, I think you mentioned that um, and maybe we dive into it a little bit more of how we solve this issue and how we approach these owners. Because the first time I approached uh, an owner on owner financing um, for the, I, I did it for the same reason. I'm like, well, if I can get him to do that, um, then it ties up less of my capital and less of my ability to go get my own financing. So I approached, uh, I actually had a whole direct mail campaign that was just looking for, for people yeah. there, but obviously difficult because there's so many common misconceptions out there. And the one was, once I got him on the phone, he responded to that direct mail piece. Once I got him on the phone, his, his feeling was, um, well, you, you apparently can't go to the bank and get a loan. That's why you're asking me to carry the note. And so because, so he was scared. He thought I was more risky, even though I have other properties, you know, I'm finance. I, I sent him my, I sent him like my, my financials, basically like what I had, you know, in, in, in savings and all this stuff. And he just like, well, if you're asking me to do this, that means you can't go get a loan for some reason. So that means you're more risky. So I need you to put 40% down. And I'm like, that's not going to work. You know, it was a $150,000 duplex or something. And I'm like, well, that that's not going to work because it ties up way too much capital. I'd rather just figure out a different way to do this. And so I ran into that obstacle, which I did not, I did not see that coming. I, I did not see that coming. So how do we address that? How do we help owners out with that issue? Well, what I, what I generally do is I provide, um, if they ask, my big thing is I, I show them what my credit score is. I provide the credit score, not just the financials. The financials are good, but if you can show the, the owner that you have a, a fantastic credit score, I've, I've actually printed out my credit karma report, sent it over, and it was a done deal at that point. Because when you have anything that starts with a seven or an eight, People are like, oh, you know, they, they're very uptight and they're very, they're very diligent about paying their bills. And I try and maintain at least a, a 730, 740 credit score. Yeah. If you can maintain a 730, 740 credit score and be in the good area, uh, most people, most, most owners can respect that. I didn't That's even, first I thing. didn't even think of that. I did not even think of that. Dang it. <laughs> no, you, you know, it's, it's not something that, uh, that most people think about. Um, and one of the things you definitely, when you're first getting into owner finance, you have to get used to hearing the word no, if, until you figure out how to approach the sellers. Uh, and that, like I said, that's one of the things we address in, in our courses and our, our coaching program is mm -hmm. the proper way. Cause every, every seller is different. What you've got to do is use the number one key to owner finance. And the number one skill involved in owner financing is listening. So you have to listen to what they're trying to accomplish. Why are they selling? What's their, are they trying to retire? Do they have a health issue that, that they need to, to back off on, on doing so much? Are they just burned out on landlording? Some people, you know, I, I've talked to a couple different people uh, in the last couple of weeks and they had a property that the woman who was selling it wanted to own her 
finance. She just wanted to go traveling the country in an RV, you know? So, and, and that's, that's what it is. You just got to mm-hmm. figure out what they're trying to accomplish and listen and then start the creativity. Cause that's mm-hmm. the key right there. Listening, creativity, the two, the two key components. Love that. Yeah. So, and, and once you figure out what they're trying to accomplish, the way you frame it is making it so like, do you know why the seller was, was selling the property? I, I know that I asked that. I, I don't remember. It's been, been a few yeah. months, but, but so, I, I remember asking that. Yeah. yeah. So let's say, let's say the guy wanted to retire. Let's just throw it out there. The, the owner wanted to retire. And what you can do is you can sit there and say to the owner, well, this is a, an option that I'm offering you. I can do a quick closing. If you hold the note, I can provide you monthly income and let's get you out on the golf links. If that's what you want to do, or let's get you into the beach. I mean, what, ask the, ask the owner, what does your retirement look like? You know, what to you, when you, when you decide to retire me personally, I've got, I've got a camper. I love going camping. That's what my retirement's going to look like or, or beachfront property. So Mm -hmm. if somebody came to me and started, you know, selling the whole, let's get you onto the beach, let's get you a Mai Tai, let's get you sitting by the ocean, let's get you sitting by the water, not taking care of tenant problems or or resident problems and that sort of thing. So let's get you, let's get you where you want to be. And this is what I'm offering. Here's my credit score. I pay my bills on time. If you don't, if I don't pay the bills on time, then you've still got a valid mortgage against the property. You could foreclose it just like a bank. Once they offer you that seller financing, it becomes a, tr- a traditional transaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only difference is the name on the mortgage isn't Chase Bank or Bank of America or whatever. It's John Doe or Jane Doe. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference in owner financing uh, is that actual step of getting the people to agree to give you that down or give you the the mortgage and, you know, and, and you negotiable. A lot of times uh, people have this number in their head. So when you're say you've got that $150,000 mortgage and he's concerned with making sure that he gets that $150,000 for the property. Well, the big thing is you have to say to him, I'll give you your full asking price. I can make money at 150,000. You have to make sure your underwriting is, is right on. You have to make sure that you actually aren't going to lose money because that's never a good scenario. (laughs) So let's say I'll give you $150,000 down or for the the property. Here's some concessions that I need. Okay. I want to pay 0% interest and I'd like to do no money down because with the down payment, I do have the cash, but I don't want to use it because what I want to do is I want to take that money and put it into fixing up the property. Because I want to, I want to re reposition this property, and that's that's a big one. And you can say, not only am I going to take the down payment, put it back into the property that you have a valid mortgage. If I default on the mortgage, now you've got a property that's not worth one hundred fifty thousand. You've got a property that's worth one hundred eighty thousand that you can take back. Yeah, yeah, that's so, awesome. That's a really good yeah. way to position that. I love that using the down payment. If yeah. They're they're safe, right? The, the worst case scenario, they take the property back, and it's better than they when they got it, more valuable. So, now, w- what are a couple other really common uh, obstacles that you run into when trying to get owner financing? 
the big one that I run into is just lack of knowledge. I mean, no, not a lot of people know about owner financing. So if you go to a broker or a real estate agent and you start trying to, you start trying to get somebody to, to approach a seller for you, because not, not every direct, not every deal that you do is going to be direct to seller. That's the golden deal that you want. That's the mm -hmm. number one deal you want because you, the less people involved between you and a seller, the better off everybody is. That's just, that's just any real estate transaction. The less people involved, the better. So what you, what you've got to accomplish is a lot of times you'll have to go like the MLS, realtor.com, Zillow, and, and all that. And you have to educate these real estate agents and brokers on how to do the deal. Cause they don't, they just don't know you, you have to educate yourself first. And then once you're educated, you can go educate these people. And like my, my real estate portfolio, I bought my first property with the same real estate agent that I bought the other nine properties from and the way I did it. And Andrew will probably, if he listens to this, he'll probably call me and be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> but I found a, a relatively inexperienced real estate agent, somebody who's new to the new to the game. They were hungry. They didn't mm -hmm. they didn't care. They just wanted to get some some deals under their belt. So I had all this knowledge on real estate investing with owner financing and I basically walked him through everything and told him this is this is what we want to do. Make the offer and he shot back like dude, I'll make whatever offer you want. I'm not embarrassed. I'll go take you. You need somebody hungry like that. Yeah. You know, you get a guy that's been a real estate agent for 30 years. He hears owner financing, his eyes glaze over, yep. he stops listening. Okay. Yep. You get a, you get a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, um, you know, whatever the, I don't know if there's a age limit for real estate agents, but when you become 50, everybody looks 12. <laughs> um, so you know, you find the, the younger, the younger hungry agent and teach them, take them under your, take them under your wing. And then every time you get a deal, like I'll call him now with a deal and he knows it's pretty much a done deal. If, if I get the numbers I want, I'm a closer and you have to prove that you're a closer to these, these agents because nobody wants to waste their time. So make right. sure that if you pull the trigger or that if you get a deal under it, you got to pull the trigger on it because you know, you're not going to have them run around because you lose a lot of good faith with these real estate agents and brokers if you're not ready to sit down at the closing table and sign the dotted line. So yeah, exactly. That, that's a big thing. So, so yeah, so, that's the number one problem. So lack of knowledge, right? And lack of knowledge. And 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 so you you're educating these these owners. You get one on the phone, whatever you find a deal, you get one on the phone, you, you approach it, you know, um, asking a few questions, listening to what their goals are, then packaging your offer to accomplish their goals, whether it's retirement, being on the golf course, whatever, uh, proposing 0% interest, zero down, because you're going to put that down payment into the repair of the property. And, and then you're, what, what are some common mis questions or things that they ask at that point? Like, what are their concerns at this point and how do we solve them? Uh, their main concern is whether you're a deadbeat or not, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of times owners talk, you're talking about big money for a lot of these owners and they want to know that you're going to perform on the note. They don't want, they don't want to trust you with, with this property. And cause 
there's been some bad bad deals out there. I, I'm going to be the first to tell you some some owner finance deals have gone wrong, and I've seen it go wrong. Yeah, it's because the the person that bought it bought the property didn't pay the didn't pay the note, and then basically went in and had some had some bad tenants and do their due diligence. You got to do the background checks on tenants. You have to, once you get it, just because it was owner finance doesn't mean that you cannot be a good landlord. You've got to do all the right stuff that you normally would do if it was a bank owner. Yeah. You have to vet the, the tenants. You have to just make sure they're not going to go in there and destroy the property and, and don't just throw anyone into a property just to have a tenant. You have to take your time and find the right tenant. So one that has a good credit score, you know, and I could do an entire podcast episode on, on due diligence on tenants because I've seen some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's, that's what their main concern is. They want to know how they're going to get paid, uh, whether you're going to follow through and what, what's in it for them. What's their benefit. So, and yeah, no, that's perfect. Bit. And oh. and one thing that we got, I don't know if we've mentioned this already, but these are these 10 properties that you've owned or financed, they're all multifamily. They're, they're larger deals, which to me is crazy. They I've are. never thought, I didn't think owner financing was even on the table for larger multifamily. We're talking like five units plus, right? I, I, you know, yeah. what's your, what's your smallest property? It's a duplex. I, I don't do anything single family because yeah. I'm not a real yeah. big fan of either a hundred percent occupancy or zero. I mean, there's just too big a spread there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you either said you have, or you're working on a 66 unit opportunity, oh, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It came across my desk and, and you can go up to, I've, I've heard people owner finance uh, at least portions of hundred, 200 units. Yeah, that's and, crazy to me. I never, I never thought that was even an option. So hopefully, our listeners here are, there were getting the juices flowing as far as what's cap, what's possible. Yeah, with owner financing. Um, so, is there any particular um, scenario where owner financing works, or any particular owner where it works better than another one? I've heard that you know they've. They can't have a mortgage on the property it needs to be paid for in full, you know, things like that. What are, what's the, what's your best scenario or who are you looking for as far as an owner goes? Well, I can give you the best scenario, but that the statement that you just made about having to have the mortgage paid off, it just isn't true. Because really? you have, you, yeah, you have assumable mortgages, you have subject to mortgages where you can actually take over an owner finance property with an existing mortgage. Mm -hmm. and make payments. Um, and, and I can get into what the difference between assumable and, and subject to, um, and, but ultimately the best deal is finding a, an owner with a property that's owned free and clear. That's, yeah. uh, that's been paid off. That's, that's your historic. That's your, we'll say the the best case scenario yeah. is, is that case scenario. Are you going to find it on every deal? No, no, you're not. But I, I challenge people. I tell everybody whenever I do these meetups, you know, I was, I was on Adam's Adams podcast. I was on uh, the multifamily investor nation summit and I've done owner finance for a lot of different meetups and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I tell everybody every single deal out there can incorporate owner finance in some form or fashion. It, it just can. And you know, most, most sellers out there aren't a hundred percent on the hook for the property. You know, they did their 20% down. Um, there's a percentage there that you can use as owner finance. So say you come across an owner that's got, you know, a hundred thousand dollar property, but 
600,000 of it as a mortgage. Well, he's still got $40,000 in equity that could be owner finance. So you, mm-hmm. you can play with the numbers all over the place. Um, it's not really playing with the numbers, just figuring out creatively how you can make any deal out there be an owner finance deal. You just have to get over the negative connotation of owner financing, which is what I'm out here trying to do because it absolutely is a very valid and viable tool for your tool belt is owner financing. And yeah. once you, once you get one that's successful and you realize how easy it is and how, you know, how, like you don't have to go to the bank. It keeps your expenses down. You don't have to do a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. You don't pay points to the, the seller, the, the seller. Uh, you know, if you do get them to agree to no interest, every single monthly payment that you make comes right off of the principal. I mean, come on, that's building equity right out of the gate, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's, that's something that something that's super powerful. And, and, you know, all you need to do is, is learn how to do it and, and figure out which case scenario. And the best way to do that is, is, you know, have somebody walk you through doing it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I love that. I, and now, I mean, looking back, I wish I would have on all the properties that I purchased, I wish I would have at least offered, Hey, you know, once I got into conversations with the seller, I uh, say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do cash on this, but here's an owner finance option. Here's the numbers. Here's why it makes a lot of sense for you just to see, cause I'd be in a different place as far as my capital goes, if I would have more deals, owner finance, I did do one. I do have one owner finance deal and ironically, or oddly enough, the seller approached me, Hey, uh, cause he knew I was, I was working on getting hard money for the deal. And he, I don't think he wanted to wait around for that. So he's like, Hey, let's just, how about if I owner finance? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> let's talk about that. And it ended up being one of the sweetest deals. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, I wish I would have, uh, been asking for this way earlier on and be a different place for me right now. That's awesome. And now you've got the pandemic that's going on and you're going to start seeing the lending criteria is going to be tightened up. And, you know, the big thing for you guys is this is a very valid tool to use. And once you, once you figure out how to use it and do two, three, four under your belt, you're going to start seeing owner finance deals everywhere. Like yeah. Once you, but you know how you, you never see red Toyotas until you start driving a red Toyota. You know, you yep. never see owner finance deals until all of a sudden you see the, there's some buzzwords. You yeah. start seeing these listings, um, seller finances that's right in the face that just tells you what motivated seller. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. When they put motivated seller right in the ad for a property, you need to get on the phone and call that property yeah. because that, you know, that's a big, that's a big tip. Um, you know, creative financing, you'll see, you'll see some of that in, in these advertisements and these listings, um, you know, and just, there's just so many criteria that you have to, you have to look for. And the, the stupidest thing could be, could tip you off. Uh, yeah. Like you could be driving down the road. Like I'm driving down one of my properties. I was driving, driving for dollars, they call it. You just mm-hmm. driving in a neighborhood. I, I got two houses over here. Let's see what else is around the neighborhood. Driving down the neighborhood and you're like, wow, that's you know, a foot and a half tall grass. The bushes around this duplex or triplex are overgrown. The gutter is kind of falling off and there's people living here. And there's a, a sign in the front yard that says for rent with a telephone number. Well, they said for rent. I read 
for sale. Yeah, exactly. So, Good so point. I called that number and I said, look, I'm sitting in front of your house right now. I said, you've got a for rent sign. The grass needs to be cut. There's some stuff going on. Tell me, tell me what the situation, would you ever consider selling this property? And the person's like, I've been, I was just sitting here considering putting in, listing it. And I said, well, here's the situation. If you can meet with me, I'll show you how you don't have to list it. You don't have to pay the, the broker's commission of 6%. We'll put that right in your pocket. And I will show you how we can get this out of your name in the next 30 days. Met with him the next day at a Dunkin' Donuts, actually. <laughs> so, you know, sat there having coffee and donuts, which I happen to love donuts. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. And we sat there and hashed out the deal on the back of a napkin. I went home. I pulled out a blank purchase agreement or, you know, uh, yeah, sales agreement, sales offer. Filled it out, emailed it to him. The guy signed it, sent it back. We went and used the exact same lawyer. And I think we closed in like 15 days. No money down. The guy was happy. And uh, he, we got him out of that. Uh, and, you know, and he took care of a problem for him. And I just happened to be sitting in front of his house like, this guy just doesn't care about this house. So if he doesn't care about the house, let's find out why. What made him not care about the house? Because yeah. I guarantee you. When he bought that house, he cared about that house. Yeah. Why doesn't he care about it anymore? You yeah. Know? And uh, just sometimes tenants will do that to you occasionally. You know, you get a couple of bad tenants right in a row, man, and you start thinking to yourself, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Well, the, the bottom line is why you're doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're, so you're looking for deals. I mean, just so our listeners know, I mean, you're, you're looking for the same type of distressed property, distressed seller that any flipper or you know um any wholesalers looking for you same scenarios right in general that's what's that's what's triggering you to start the conversation with donors or is it or is it have some nuances or differences to it well there, there are some new there are some nuances and i do have properties that that do meet that criteria but i also have you know properties that are being a class b class properties that people just want it out you know, they yeah. took good care of the property and they're just trying to accomplish it. You know, I've, I've, I've owned this property for 30 years. I've taken great care of it. Now I just, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hit that beach. And I've said, yeah. well, let's get you out there. Let's get my you time. there. Yep. Which and is, it just boggles your mind when, when you say, you know, look at, look through the MLS, look through the real, realtor.com, Zillow, just start looking in the neighborhood you want to invest and, and look for the buzzwords. And, you know, and call, call the, the agents. If you have to call back two or three times, you know, um, to find that one agent that'll call you back, you know, that young agent that's, and not necessarily, I mean, older agents do too, but the, the green agent, the new agent is what I meant. Not, and not an age thing, but just how long they've been a real estate agent. And yeah. a new agent that just got their license two months ago, hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there, I learned that early on too. I, one of my first, one of my agents in a new market that I went to, um, he was, he, we had to bounce some questions off of his broker, you know, a little bit, but, but man, he hustled so hard for me and found a property for us in, in a very difficult market, which, so yeah, those, those newer agents can, you got to make sure that they're double checking everything and making sure they're doing it right. Cause they, they're going to be new to it, but man, they are hungry and they hustle and they don't have any misunderstandings or, or misconceptions about owner financing. They're like, Oh yeah, let me, let's let, teach me about that. Let's figure out how we can do it. They, they get it. 
Um, and no preconceived notion. Yeah. Kind of yeah, like a toddler awesome. who doesn't know about gravity. You know, they won't know until they fall the first time. So <laughs> you got to you gotta get them in there and make sure that they're not going to fall. Just yep. help them through. Yep. Good. This is awesome. Um, what any, maybe any other quick tips, tip or two that we can, that we should be talking about with our listeners on seller financing. Get used to the word. No, <laughs> you're going to hear the word. No, you heard the word. No. Yeah. What sets, what sets people apart is what they do with the word. No, you know, you, it's, it's kind of to a certain degree, it's about sales. And if you have some sales experience and, and you can turn a no into a yes, and you can handle these objections and overcome these objections and, and turn that around. That's, that's the key right there. Learn how to overcome the objections. And you're only going to do that by hearing the word no. You, know, you yeah. learn more from, from failure and hearing the word no than you do from having everything just fall in line for you. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, that's a great scenario. If everything yeah. has, has fallen in line with you for the, the last 25 years, kudos for you. You know, I'm, I'm totally jealous, but it doesn't happen that way generally. Yeah. So when, when you get that word, no, like, like I was just telling you the difference, like if I had been on the phone with the, the gentleman that told me, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I want 40% down. I would have been like, okay, um, here's, here's how we're going to make it, make it worth your while. You know, you hit that, you get that 40%. What, what is, if you get, make $40,000 profit on an, on a property, what are you going to get hit with? you're going to get hit with that capital gains tax. Mm -hmm. But if I pay you monthly, then you can spread it out. You're not going to get that big tax bill. You're going to yep. be able to spread it out. You'll have your monthly income and you'll spread it out. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, great. And it's just overcoming objections. That's super powerful. Yeah. I think, a, I think a background in sales, any sales skills, even though you're the buyer, uh, you are, you are selling the, you're, you're selling your solution and which I love because ultimately owner financing is a great solution. We're, we're really setting these people up with a great opportunity. We're not, we're not tricking anybody. We're not taking advantage of anybody. We are letting them hold the property, continue to make money, but not have to deal with the headache and, and go start doing the beach thing or whatever they want. It's such a win-win. I absolutely love it. Cause I'm sure there's a ton of investors out there that are like, man, I, I, I would like to sell this. I'd like to be done with it, but I really like and need the cash flow. It, mm -hmm. And those, this is perfect for them. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I really love that. Um, you mentioned one thing. Uh, well, one of the questions I like to ask is what, what's, um, what's something that separates those that succeed, uh, in accomplishing their goals and their journey from those that fail and give up. And you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, getting used to the word, no, anything else that you would maybe add to that or a yeah, different it, topic. It's an overall mindset. The, the whole, the whole scenario of owner finance from people that, that give up, fail and never try, um, to the people that succeed is turning a negative situation with your mindset into a positive. That's what you have to do. You have to find out, like like we've said the entire episode, you have to find out what they're trying to accomplish and show them the best way to do that, and then give them all the benefits that you can uh, that you're bringing to them. They know what the benefit to you is. You know, you don't have to go to a bank. You're going to get this property. You're going to not pay interest. Boom, boom, boom. You got those three benefits. Well, yeah, that's that's why I'm in it because I want to make money. 
here's how I'm going to sell it to you. You have to have that mindset that says, I'm creative. I'm going to be a problem solver and I'm going to find you the solutions that you need to, you need to have to make your life what it, what it needs to be or what it want, what you want it to be right now. Yeah. So the, the entire mindset thing is just, it's crucial. You can't go into this with a, a negative mindset. You have to, you have to go into it. First of all, knowing that you're going to meet resistance because of lack of knowledge and just the bad connotation of owner finance. So I'm, Obviously, I have no money. I can't. I can't afford this property, or I can't get it qualified. No, here's how I can show you. This is. I mean, I could qualify for it, but then I'm. I'm. You know, it, it's going to increase my expenses, and it's yep. going to make you have to pay, pay more money in taxes. Yep. You know. So, and that's that's, that's the big thing. Mindset. That's perfect. Yeah, mindset's huge. Being able to turn those negative things into positive, and I'm sure, I'm sure over your career you've had. Um, you've had failures, you've had missteps, um, maybe mistakes, and, and in general, negative situations. Give us some examples of some, maybe one of those, and, and how you power through those scenarios in general. Um, no, it never happened. <laughs> Every one of my deals is perfect. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, nobody's believing that. Um, yeah. the, <laughs> the first deal I bought uh, back in high school, I did pay interest on. So I, I was young. And the big problem that I had with that first one is, is calculating the remodel expenses. Mm. You know, you have to have a budget for when you decide if you buy a distressed property, you have to have your numbers cold. You have to know them inside and out and you have to have them accurate. Well, when my friend and I bought this property, um, we were like, Oh, you know, we'll go in and we'll remodel this 900 square foot apartment for, I think our budget at the time was like 1800 bucks. <laughs> you know, we bought the house. We're like $1,800. We're going to be making six fifty a month. Yeah. And we'll have our money back in three months. And then the next thing you know, we'll be getting a Corvette, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were young and, and it is, it is what it is at this point. But once, once you get into the remodel and you're five grand in the hole right now, and you're thinking to yourself, Oh man, now, now what do I do? So, you know, that was the big one for me. The, the first one, we ended up turning it around and refinancing it, cashing out and, you know, doing nice. some, some decent things with it yeah. and make it, made it cash flow like a champ until, until I decided to sell it. Um, but, you know, that was one of the things you, you need to know your remodel budget. Yeah. You have to make sure that, that you stay within budget because if you don't, the, the holding costs can get ridiculous. The carrying costs of just having the prop. I mean, the property costs you from day one, the minute it goes in your name, you, know, you yep. got to pay the, the mortgage payment. You got to pay the taxes. You got to pay insurance. You got to pay lawn care. You got to pay everything. So the, the quicker you can turn that around and have that making enough money to cover those expenses, the better off you'll be. And that was yep. the, the jump, the giant mistake that we made. That's huge. That's it so is. huge. Awesome. Yeah. Um, good. So any, What's a, well, let's see. We've kind of already answered that question. That's, that's perfect. I've got what, something I can throw in here for you if you want. Yeah, it's go ahead. It was an unintended benefit of owner financing. And okay. this is a very powerful one. Um, it's a deal that I'm actually working on right now. And the funny thing about owner financing is once you prove that you're a closer and once you prove that you're going to be a, a performer on the note, then more people are going to be willing to talk to you. So you, I've got 10, 
10 references. We actually have got about seven references because I bought more than one house from a couple of people. But you've got these references in your pocket now. Yeah. And I always ask them at the closing table, when I perform this note, and you don't talk about it like if I perform this note. You say, when I close on this, when I perform this note, always talk in the positives. When I perform on this note, will you be a positive reference for me for the next one? And, you know, all of them said yes. I bought two houses from one gentleman. And that was, the first one was two years ago. The second one was last year. And I've been performing on the notes. I get a text message out of the blue like a month ago. And he asked me, the, the town that I have all my portfolio in is, is a town in upstate New York. Because I'm from New York. Upstate, not down mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, are you going to be in, it's a town called Elmira. He said, are you going to be in Elmira anytime this week? And I said, I can be in Elmira whatever, whatever day you want. So, well, I, I'm impressed by the way you've handled the other two houses. He said, I'm impressed by your honesty, the way that you've made sure that the taxes are all paid. I've got my money automatically deposited. I've got eight more properties, which is 16 apartments. Um, and I want to own or finance them to you. And he gave me a number, told me the same as the first ones, no down payment, no interest. And I'm going to take it over for him and from him. And I'm going to, I'm going to cash him out over the next 30 years. Cause he's ready to retire and he lives yeah. overseas and he just, he, he contacted me. So we're in the middle of doing the closing right now. And, you know, and in one fell swoop, I just doubled the, the size of my portfolio and it was simply because, simply because I performed on the note and did everything I was supposed to. Because your word is your bond. It takes, it takes a long time to build your word and 10 seconds to lose it. Yeah. So, that's you know, and, and that's, when you find that, that's what's going to happen. He actually was testing me because he had this plan all along, but he didn't make me privy to it. He wanted oh, to give wow. me an opportunity to either sink or swim. And luckily, wow. I, knew, I, luckily I swam. And with the two properties he did sell me, he comes at me with, hey, do you want to buy the other eight units or eight apartment complexes with, uh, I think actually one, two of them were triplexes, so it's 18 units. Wow. That's incredible. What a, what a win for sure. And all based yeah. on just that good performance on, and keeping those references close. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What are the, what's the most common, are you usually doing this like on a 12 month, amortized over 30 years, but a 12 month payout or what's your usually t- your term generally what i do is i do a 30-year amortization so i can keep as much money up front to do the remodeling with a five-year balloon payment and that gives me five years to stabilize the property because one year you technically theoretically you could stabilize the property in one year but i like to have a, a solid track record of, of rental income yeah so after five years then i can generally cash them out but for the most part i've, I've actually gotten to that five-year balloon payment and I've contacted the seller to ask it when they wanted me to get the balloon payment to them. And they said, you know what? I'm completely happy with that monthly income and not paying capital gains. Let's just keep going with it. Let's see, you know, let's run it. And if I, and, and I let them know, okay, that's not a problem. But if you have a need for the cash at any time, you call me and I'll cash you out at any time. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful benefit for them. Yeah. Like they know they're sitting on this money. And they've got a running, they keep a running total of my mortgages, which I do. I have a mortgage um, schedule. So I know exactly what my principal balance is every single month I make a payment. So at any given month, if they called me and said, I need a, I need to cash out today, I'll go right to that mortgage statement and I'll write them a check for that amount. And send it. Wow. 
That's know, awesome. through the lawyers, of course, because you got to have the lien, the mortgage removed and everything. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Wow. This has been, this has been good. I definitely, I mean, I thought I understood owner financing, but I've definitely learned a lot on it for sure. Yeah. Um, what, um, what, where, where could they go to learn more about this? Like what, what's out there, what resources are out there to learn more about owner financing sure, besides this sure. conversation? Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. We, uh, we have a podcast called the real estate marathon podcast and we started that podcast to, to help people get to financial freedom like we did and kind of as a way to get back and get our, get our message out there. Uh, you can reach, reach us at the website, which is realestatemarathonpodcast.com. You can also send me an email at Larry at realestatemarathonpodcast.com. And, uh, you know, we we're coming up with a website for our courses and we're going to do coaching programs because you can listen to all the podcasts and all the information, but really until you have somebody walk you through it, there's a, a limiting belief that you can actually accomplish it. And we try and help people get through that fear. Uh, and, you know, I've, done, I've got a lot of deals under my belt. So if you're doing the coaching program, you get a certain number of calls with us and, and I'll sit down and I'll walk you through the deal. This is how I would structure your offer. This is what I would do. This is how I would approach it. And then once you get through three, four deals on your own, you know, even a couple deals, it, you're going to be so much farther ahead. So anybody interested in the coaching program until we finish our website, just email me at Larry at real estate marathon podcast. And, and uh, we can get on the phone with you and see what we see, how we can help you get to financial freedom. I love that. Yeah. I, uh, I'll make sure all that's in the show notes here and, uh, and make sure we can, uh, we can help everybody out there. I, I think it's a super strong method. I think everybody has to have it in their tool, but like you said, maybe it doesn't fit every scenario, but at least if you're, you're looking for the opportunities to use it and throwing it out there. A um, couple other questions and then we'll, then we'll wrap up here. What is uh, what's a favorite book that you've read that's really been life changing that you recommend to others? I'm actually seeing it right on the shelf right behind you. The best ever, the best ever, oh, right. The other side, this one, the red one. Yep. Best ever guide to real estate syndications. Yeah. Joe yeah. Fairless does a great job in that book telling you how to, how to jump into syndications, which is another powerful tool in the yeah. tool belt. And if I ever run out of um, being able to owner finance these multi multifamily, I pr I'll probably try syndications, but I do, I do love that book because you know, he talks about a lot of stuff. Creating it, your thought platform and everything. Yeah, it's it's literally like it's it's written detailed enough that it's almost a textbook. It's step by step. Like it goes into so much detail. That's why it's like seven inches thick. But it doesn't read like a textbook. It's still very engaging and very important. You know, it's very easy to read and consume, which I love that. And broken down into great chapters and segments, so you can kind of go through the process. Like if you just went, if you did every step in the book you'd be a syndicator by the end of the deal. Like it's, it's, it's a really, really good book. And the, and that's uh definitely, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm making that transition to from single family to syndicating larger multifamily deals. And again, owner finance has not even been in my mind. So this is, this is probably going to be one of the most powerful conversations I've had in a while because it's all been about syndicating how, where do I find the investors? Where do I find the loan guarantor? All of that. But now I'm like, Whoa, let's just have the owner owner finance it. You may not need them. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. And we'll that, see how that, how to not need them. 
that's totally blowing my mind right now. I'm trying not to jump up and down on my chair, but <laughs> I think it's going to be a great opportunity. And so, um, so I'm really, I'm really glad we've had this conversation. Um, another question that I really like to ask is probably more appropriate at the beginning, but for some, but I like to ask it at the end because it really ties everything together. Now that we've learned a lot about you, what is, what's your why? What's your purpose in in doing what you do? Time. You know, just having time for my family, time to do the things that I enjoy, time for camping. You know, I've spent uh, the better part of 49 years now working that full-time job, trying to get early early retirement. And um, it was just a catalyst in the last two and a half months where I, I was there for, I've been there for about a year and a half. And uh, I was just scared. It was that scary feeling of not having that regular income. And two and a half months in, you know, I got that that deal from the, for that larger portfolio. Mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. even would have considered that if I was still working full time because it would have overwhelmed me. But now, as soon as I left there and he texted me that, you know, I, I was like, yeah, let's do it because now I've got all the time in the world. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want. And time is my why to spend with my wife, to spend with my children. They're they're older now, and they've got their own lives. But you know, I can work around their schedule now because. Yeah. I've yeah, got all you, the time I need. Yeah, they're older, but you still want to be part of their lives. That's that's super powerful. I think that ultimately is what motivates me. Also, I I just feel like life's not about um, spending your time at a at a nine to five, and and I feel like I feel like we should work around life rather than have life around work. And I know that's not a common that's a, not a common concept out in the world right now. And I'd like more people to understand that. I, I really feel like there's way more to life. And for whatever reason, as a society, we've just been trained that like, no, you work your face off. And I'm not afraid of hard work and working a lot. Don't get me wrong. But but I, I don't feel like it should just be a complete grind and a complete, you know, 50 years of that. I think there should be a different way to do it. And I think real estate investing, and, and I'm sure there's some other vehicles, but real estate investing is one that's just proven time and time again to be able to provide that freedom of time and money. And and that's why it's so powerful. So my congratulations to you. You're, 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 you, it seems like you're there. You, you quit the nine to five. You, you've got some time, you've got freedom. I think I saw on your Instagram, you've got a new camper or, or maybe yeah. it's the camper, which is totally new camper and a new truck to go with. Yeah. That, that new dually truck. I saw that. That's so cool. <laughs> I, that, that's one of my dreams. I mean, I have this, my current vacations are like almost more stressful than anything because I've got to do a bunch of work before I leave. And then I've got to, and then I'm fall behind while I'm on vacation. Then I get back and I got to catch up. Like it's almost no fun. Uh, I mean, I love the time away and spend it with family and stuff. I've got four kids, so it's always a, a circus, but, uh, but yeah, I just feel like I, I would much rather be able to say, Hey, yeah, two weeks I'm shutting down. I won't fall behind. I've got people taking care of things money's flowing from the properties regardless let's take a two-week vacation a little more stress-free a little more relaxing so my ultimate goal is to have people taking care of the portfolio and then i can do all the podcast episodes i want to from the camper all i need is an internet connection that's so cool. just get out on the road that's so cool larry man that's awesome um so yeah, we love that. Um, we've already talked a little bit about how to get a hold of you. We'll we'll make sure those are in the show notes. Um, what another question that I've really been liking to, or been enjoying asking is, 
what are some ways that you are giving back or giving to others? Because I'm always curious to know what other people are doing and, and looking for cool ideas and, and different uh, ways to give back. What, what's something that you do? Uh, well, one of the big things that I do is, like I said, just trying to educate people on, on the, with the podcast, trying and get people to, to get out of the rat race, basically, you know, to, to quote, quote Robert Kiyosaki, one of my favorite books that, that was kind of a catalyst for me and a lot of real estate agents was rich, our real estate investors was rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I read a statistic back before we started the podcast, of how many people live paycheck to paycheck. You know, and when you figure that that a majority of the households in America are one injury away from bankruptcy, you know, if you get if you get hurt and you can't work again, who's going to pay your bills? Who's going to take care of you? You know, you could go from being on top of the world to being crushed by it in a matter of minutes if if you know you have an if somebody throws a back out, you know, or somebody gets into a car accident and, and they're out of work for six months. Yeah, it, it's just it's so scary because so many things could go wrong. And one of the things I like to do is we started our, our first episode, our second episode was how to, how to take your uh, accurate idea of where your credit is and, and start fixing it. Yeah. You, know, you have to know where you are before you can know where you got to go. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things we do. And I, I, I get on coaching calls, you know, I had, I had uh, somebody just left a, a fantastic podcast review on iTunes for us um, because I had done a coaching call with them three weeks to two or three weeks ago. And I was on the phone for like an hour, hour and a half. And I, they just had complete, it was probably more like an hour, but they just had complete access to me and I answered all their questions. Yeah. And it was, you know, I didn't look, I didn't look to, to get anything. And, and you know, it was, it was one of those things that my coaching course wasn't available yet. And, and uh, you know, just try and help out. They, they were a younger, a younger couple and just try and help figure it out for them. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, man, it, Larry, it's been awesome. I, I have definitely learned a bunch. Um, I've opened up a few more ideas in my <laughs> mind about how to get into some multifamily I, I, that I never thought would be an option. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you jumping on. We'll make sure these things are in the in the notes here. Maybe we, maybe down the road we, we do another podcast and see how things are going for you. Yeah, not a problem, Justin. Hey, you're doing a fantastic job with this. Keep keep educating the people. Keep giving back yourself. And uh, you know, I look forward to seeing your next episodes. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. You take care. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to the Money Maven Project Podcast. A true maven shares knowledge with others. So be sure to share this podcast and leave a review. Thanks so much. And until next time, live life with intention.